Gaming NBS episode 226, being recorded Sunday, January 20th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all on board. How you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weekend's almost over. You ready for tomorrow? You've got tomorrow off, don't you? I have tomorrow off. You jerk. Oh, well, good for you. Yes. You doing something fun tomorrow, or are you just sleeping in, or what are you doing? Uh, no plans. Wow. Um, Those are good days off, actually. I don't do that often enough. Right. I'm taking a day off. What are you doing? I have no idea. Let's see what happens. Just see how it goes. I think I have to go to dog doggy obedience class. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't you, think they canceled it. The dog, so, you just don't listen to your dog well enough. That's I don't, the problem. I am not obedient to my dog. They'll fix that. Don't worry. They're professionals. Yeah. Shall we get on to this, man? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Announcements. So let's see. My Avalon Kickstarter ended. I mentioned that last time. Ah. But now, but now it's over, over, and I actually have a number. Oh, thank you. Well, that's like a really Sh- short. short applause. Short applause. There we go. Very short, very short. <laughs> At the end of all things, we asked for three grand and ended up with $13,757. And that was due to 731 different people who supported it. So that is awesome. I know I am dead positive <laughs> the lion's share of those backers are the men and women I've met through this podcast. Um, Be officers represent. Absolutely. I know there's some folks out there who support it, who listen to us and then stop listening to us. And I know there's some who never listened to us, but they met us because of this thing that Sean and I do. So this has been the, uh, the gateway drug <laughs> for everybody to get in on this thing. So, all right, that'll be the last to talk about the Kickstarter itself. Once As fulfillment starts rolling, I'll probably do little snippety updates. Phil Vecchion, the uh, project manager with Up Here, um, of course, is doing an excellent job with the uh, backer updates and so on. Just saying, hey, you know, here's week five, here's where we're at. We got Gantt charts. We got all the cool stuff, man. So it's, it's rocking, it's rolling. It's doing really, really well. Brett, what if I miss the Kickstarter? You're fucked, man. Well, maybe, maybe not me. Maybe it's somebody else. Oh, so once we are done, it will be for sale on Drive Through RPG. Whoa! So that's where you'll grab it once it's all done and everything's fulfilled, and we get it out through Drive Through. So there you go. I can't wait to write a review. Oh Lord! I'm gonna have to put that on schedule. Let's talk right. about this product some guy put out. Oh Lord! Streets at Avalon. A A V A L O N. Yes, Evian. That's what it is. Streets Evian. of Evian. Evian Streets water. of Evian. Very liquidy. <laughs> All right. So the other one I wanted to bring up was I'm still going to GaryCon. You are still thinking you're going to GaryCon. I'm going to see if I can help you out in that regard. Um, we were talking off the mics about helping out there. So I'm going to see what I can do. But hopefully uh, any other BSers that show up there track Sean and or I down. And it'd be great to see you. Shake hands, hang out, get a drink, coffee, something. Anyway. Um, I think that's about it there. We still doing the awesome dice thing, man? Yeah, so awesome dice. If you s- sign up for our email list, 
you head over to gamingandbs.com, put in your first name and email, you will be automatically entered to win uh, a, in a drawing for a set of dice from Awesome Dice. We will do that probably after the next show because we'll be recording on the 28th. So that'll be the last one for January. We'll have a drawing, drawing, and uh, yeah. And then we'll do it for February, give another set of dice out. So you're better off putting your email now and uh, because there's less people. Yeah, well, the numbers, well, your odds just go up at that, at that way, yeah. That's right. And totally if you sense. if you do go to awesomedice.com and make and place an order of 10 bucks or more, you could save 15% on that order if you use the promo code GAMINGBS. Not gaming and BS, just gaming BS. Yeah. It's We've a t- said it's it a, wrong it's, in it's the a past. T- oh, did we? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, that was foolish. Well, I like it. It's, it's gaming BS. So it's a tight, simple little thing. G M I N G B S. Boom. Done and done. Yeah. So there you be. There you go. Cool. Right. Any other announcements, man? Anything cool, big, gigant, giant, giant, ginormous you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. No? Okay. No. Now, one thing I have somebody asked me at GameWorkCon, I can't remember who the heck it was. He said, hey, in your announcements, maybe. Um, if you hear something cool like, hey, Wizards announced this or so forth, announced that, that is, <laughs> from my perspective, I was talking, I can't remember who the heck this was. It was a gentleman. And I said, not a bad idea. However, it's a lot of work, quite frankly, to track down all the different announcements and things and all the different news feeds and so forth. So my my answer, usually when somebody asks me, like, hey, could you keep track of all that for me? I'm like, I'll, I, I can try. If it gets big enough, I'll and I think about it, I'll do it. But uh, don't count on us to be your absolute industry insider for announcements unless we get really lucky. So I want to do that now. Brett is squashing that. So if you no, I'm, say, I'm saying if, it's if, I'm saying it's tough, <laughs> and it's one of those pieces where I I don't want I don't want the listeners to um I, I want you to rely on us, right? But I also don't want you to say, oh, BS didn't mention it, so I guess I guess that Wizards thing isn't happening. Ah, there's there's plenty of news avenues out there. So anyway. Well, most of it, if you know some, let us know, and we'll put it in die roll. Absolutely. There's a lot of companies doing a lot of different things, and some of them we see on Twitter, and some of them we don't. And I, uh, that's actually better said. I mean, if you if you folks see something, hit us with it. Do not assume that Sean and I have some crazy ass, you know, gaming hobby insider uh, perspective on this stuff because we don't. (laughs) We we try to. You know, scan through the uh, the ink, the blot, the news blotter, as it were, and uh, pull that stuff the same way you guys do. So, it is amazing to me. Yes. Where? <laughs> so we. Sean's <laughs> <laughs> got the. I'm going to say something rude. Face. So we have had conversations, uh, and I say we is in the generic sense. Me and the mouse in my pocket about how gaming stores can be lacking in the business side of things. Oh, some of them are just abysmal. Some are quite, some are fine. Some are abysmal. Right. And some are in between. And it's surprising to me how much is going on in the RPG industry. And unless you're specifically tuned in to a particular publisher or Kickstarter or contact, 
you may not have any clue any of it's going on, or you may not have any clue until it's on the shelf. Yes. I mean, so here's one, for instance. So Vampire, the new edition of Vampire, they basically punted over to Modiphius. Yes. And I don't know if we had that in a tracker somewhere, and I came upon like, oh, I should mention that on the show. One thing drove out another. I didn't bring it up. Now it's old news, but if you're into White Wolf Games and the vampire scene, you know that. But I, I mentioned it to some of my gaming group that I, I uh, my home crew this last weekend because we don't play that anymore. Like, oh wow, I didn't know that. I didn't even know there's a new edition. One gentleman said, <laughs> so it, it's easy to it's easy not to know. It's very easy not to know. Which is weird to me because we live in an age now. I'm gonna you kind of I caught myself because I'm going into the we live in an age where you can put all your information out on the interwebs and everybody can tune into it. You still gotta find it or want to find it, but you have to want to find it, and you have to assume that the people that are interested in your line or product are propagating it. It's just to me, it's strange because I think there is still this weird backwoods. Maybe backwards isn't the right the right uh, word to use, but there is this you this is this like they should reach out to people like us. Yeah, they should, and say, hey, just so you guys have an announcement, or can you make an announcement? This is kind of what's going on now. We get a ton of people that do that via Kickstarter because this they, is one of the reasons why this is a hobby industry and not like an industry industry. Oh, well, it's it's a, it's a hobby. And it's big. It's, it's not a hobby, though. I mean, yes, it, yes, it is. It's a hobby to you and I. We're the consumers. Okay. Right? It, it, we well, okay. It's like a hobby as it is to. What I'm saying is that when you have a company, yeah, of two people, right, that make fifteen to thirty thousand dollars a year each, yeah, and they're wearing all the hats in that company, and that, that happens a lot, yeah. So that person's job is. Layout, art, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and marketing. Right. Yeah. Something is going to suffer when you have too many hats. This is a thing. In order to be larger, bigger, and be able to cover all those bases, you need to hire people to do that for you. You cannot, in some components of it, when you're small press or you're not that large of a company, if you can't get contractors to do it, you often rely on your fan base. You put something on a web page and hope for the best. I get why it right. happens. And part of it is be, it may not... <clears throat> I think it's still being treated as a hobby. It's a hobby industry. This is not Ford. This is not Mac, Apple. This while, is not while that. I While I agree with kind of the angle you're going at, right? I, I agree with you because I. how would I not, right? It's exactly, because I'm right. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Get a, get a list of sources, get their emails. Because I think, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of podcasts that say, hey, email us at, and then, or they have it on their website. And you get a list of them. And then when you do a press release, I, I don't know how many people out there have done a press release and what that means and what you do and who do you send it to. And well, it's, the interesting like, thing. Put it on a fax machine and you blast it <laughs> out there. And right. it just it ends up places, and this is where and people have, pull it off a fax machine. I've but... heard I've heard people say, "Well, I just don't know. I don't know if it has your real impact." Okay, so here's the deal: 
um, you wrote an email press release and you sent it to 2,000 gaming podcasts. It took you about that long to send that email. It took you a while to write it, but it's the same goddamn email. You send it to 2,000 podcasts. If 1% of them post it, that's pretty good. If a tenth of a percent of them post it, that's pretty good. That's pretty low. Yeah, I'm just saying, though, it, <laughs> you're not paying anybody to do this. You just to um, run out and call them and hammer them. It's just basically it's like a cold call. It's just a blank email, a bulk email, excuse me, saying, hey, do, here's something, you know, and generating newsletters and all that stuff. So there, there's an art to it. I guess what I'm saying is that I think hobbying the fact that the industry has, has places to grow yet. It doesn't know how to do that well. I don't. That's while, what I'm saying. While that may be. Say, Brett, you are like dead on, 100% right. No question. It's like the, that's just, hey, that's it. That's that's where we're at, we're at today. I don't see how I could be wrong. Keep going. I, I still think it's complete bullshit. All right. I, 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 now, just because it's that way doesn't mean I have to like it. No, it should change. It should get better. But I just kind of scratch my head and go, okay, let's say you're putting out a product or, or something and it's kind of, kind of typical. Like, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they think that there's maybe, well, gaming and BS will charge us to advertise on their show, and that's not what we want to do. But I just, and they, so I get putting it out on the website. Mm-hmm. People do that. Put it out on Twitter. They, great. They put it on their Facebook. Great. But, you know, they're assuming that every kind of source that may propagate those, that people are tuning into those. So they would assume, well, gaming and BS or, or, you know, Happy Jacks or Fear the Boot, you know, if they're fans, they're going to tune into our website and they're they're going to follow us on Twitter and they're going to grab that and they're going to tell more people. And I'm like, what, why don't you just let, like let people, like, I don't know, do kind of more traditional marketing. Like, I think social media marketing is like the really cool thing and it's very cheap, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you tweet, you put some, you put some stuff out there. You talk to Alex about that with Gamehole. Right. Um, Evercon, same thing. You get a lot of social media stuff. The the only, however, I do not, for Evercon, I use the local radio station in my hometown because we draw a lot of people through Terry Stevens, who's yeah. a big gamer, also metalhead, and he loves talking about it on his show. So we, we, we don't not use City Pages, the newspaper up there. We don't not use, you know, we're utilizing that stuff in some way. But if it's not working for you, I get it. And I think um, sometimes social media marketing approaches are seen as low cost, really easy, and you hit a lot of people that way, you know. And I, I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's new. It's new enough yet where I don't think people fully understand how to use it correctly and how all the different marketing approaches. And, and I know fuck all about marketing. So, you know, what we should do. We should probably talk about random encounter or something. <laughs> maybe, this going, is a, maybe this is a topic, and I don't know why I went off on be. that tangent, because I just think that it's mind-boggling to me where, I don't know, I just it stupefies me sometimes on how certain things are handled in 2019. Well, I have the same <laughs> email address, my same personal email address that I've had since before I got remarried. So I've had this for over 15 years now, and I know for a fact that I have given that email address to multiple gaming shops in Madison, Wisconsin. I have never received a single email from any of them. They've asked for it. For, ga- for, for who? From who? 
gaming shops in Madison, oh, yeah. Wisconsin. Oh. I provided it, oh. and I've yet to receive oh. anything from them from a oh. newsletter perspective. Oh. So, is, you, is game board? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm bored? bored. Do they still do that? I remember giving it to them. I've never received an email from them. Well, so I gave them an email that's at a different account that I don't. Monitor. I've had the same one for damn near twenty years now. So. Anyway, the point is, is it's, I think, because for some people, the marketing component may be the hobby aspect of it, right? Where they're just not sure how to do it. And the more you get into this, I look at, and I learned a lot through, even with the Kickstarter, I need a guy like John Arcadian to do art direction. Brett's saying, hey, artist guy, artist artist lady, make some art that looks kind of like this stuff. Right. <laughs> no, I, I need somebody who knows how to do that and is good at it. Yes. And you need to... Hand, get those men and women and those folks engaged with you, even on temporary project by project basis, to make sure the shit works. Well, that's why you that's got why encoded. That's why, yeah, you that's got, why you got the guys encoded doing your shit and not you. Yeah, because do I have all those skills? Yes, in some regard, I do. Could I do project management that Phil is doing? Yes. I don't want to do that, plus all the design work and the writing work that I'm doing. I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's just it, I can't do. I can't do it all. And I think more people, and that's what I was talking about with the smaller spaces. I so. see. Anyway. See. All right. Shall we? Yeah. Don't get me started on the game store shit. Like, <laughs> that just will just blow my freaking lid. If you're a freaking game store and you're not trying to get emails from your customers because you have a, uh, if you have a freaking be a part of our club club and we'll give you a discount and you can earn points and all that other bullshit and like our loyalty cards and you're not getting an email from that person. You're just freaking straight up doing it wrong. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Oh, now I got to calm down, Brett. Thanks buddy. No problem. I'm here for you. I don't even know why I got on that, but it's just like, anyways, let's random encounter this. Let's move it on. Yeah. Okay. If I can hit the damn button. Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field voicemails, emails, comments from social media. Um, we got a voicemail from Kojo right out of the gate, yeah. so let's let's play that. Mute the mics. You can relax and listen to Kojo's soothing voice, and you'll feel better going in. Okay. Uh, all right. All right, cool. Hey, guys. It's Kojo. Uh, just listened to episode 224. Great topic. Uh, I wasn't quite sure where it was going at first, but... Uh, I started thinking back to my 2E days, and I did actually reboot a campaign world that I had done with my group. It was, uh, they had reached a fairly high level, and they they actually um, had an artifact that sent them basically, not back in time, but kind of like to an alternate reality where some things had changed significantly. And, uh, but same NPCs, same locations, we actually ran through a lot of the same adventures. Some of them were pre-published and others were things that homebrewed, but they were, uh, pretty good, uh, times because the, I had always saved the characters that had died. Um, so it was easy to bring back deceased characters. It's kind of like seeing old friends again. So it was a very interesting twist on the campaign. Um, but they, um, I don't know that I could possibly maintain that for the long term, but it was definitely interesting for kind of a short-term twist on the end of our existing campaign. So just thought I'd share that. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks, Kojo. I think it's interesting when we talk about it. 
I think I will see what other folks may or may not may or may not write into us, but I think what Kojo is hitting on there is it's an interesting twist. It's fun to do, but is it the place to stay? <laughs> right where you reboot it and then boy, we'll play. We played that one for ten years. We'll play this one for another ten years. No. Usually doesn't seem to have the same longevity, but it's a it can be just a wonderful callback. I think if it's done right, and it sounds like Kojo totally did it right. It was a great callback, and people were having a good time with it. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's cool. And then the fact that he saved all those dead characters. I mean, who does that? Like, well, I've, got, you, I've got a special, like, you know. You've got right, a burn barrel. You have a I burn do have barrel. a burn barrel. Exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, when it's really cold outside and you go and out on the streets in New York and they got those barrels full of fire. I got a special one. Just for player, character sheets. For player character sheets. Yeah, you I got have, that. Yeah, that actually brings the thing to my head. One of the reasons why certain campaigns to me would be interested in interesting enough to reboot is because I'll sort through paperwork or look at files on my PC and go, wow. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember this because I happen to have some stuff. I have some ephemera left over from it. Campaigns where there wasn't anything written where I don't still have character sheets, or whatever fond memories, but a little fuzzier. But when I have the actual, if I had character sheets and stuff like that, like, Oh my God, the memories are a lot more solid, and that urge comes back a little bit more. So, very cool. All right, man. I'll let you read the next one. This will this will help your therapy. You keep reading. Email keep from from Michael Drescher. Michael writes, "Hey guys, it's been a while since I wrote in, so I thought I'd throw this your way. We all know the most popular RPG these days is easily D and D five E specifically, and here's." And there's nothing wrong with that. However, there's a type of fantasy that I adore. Low magic. And it got me thinking if 5e could pull it off. I don't mean sword and sorcery per se, where magic is evil and terrifying like in Conan. Rather, a setting where magic is difficult to learn and cast. A a large, how do I get large out of that? A world where cantrips are unheard of and spells are much smaller in scope. Creating any amount of fire outside of the laws of nature shouldn't be simple. Naturally, swinging a sword is much more easy, but it should be. That's what makes magic magical. Insert Doug Henning. Who knows Doug Henning? Magical. All right. I stumbled upon a blog post by the angry GM who talks about this topic, stating... I think I found the real reason that people, game masters, are looking for the low magic option in D&D. It's because D&D has gone World of Warcraft on us. (laughs) It's so bursting with magic that it feels like it's gone beyond fantasy adventure into a parody of itself. Magic doesn't feel special or wonderful or impossible. It's just something people can do. And everyone can do it. There's nothing miraculous about healing magic. Nothing terrifying about fire magic. It's just this thing that pretty much everyone can do. Okay, so he quotes, that's a quote from Angry, I would imagine Angry GM. We haven't verified it, but we just, we're trusting you, Michael. As well as, he continues, quote, but how, the expletive, can you do that in D&D? How can you get a low magic game going in, D&D now. You can't. You just fucking can't. I'm sorry. D&D isn't going to support it, and I don't care what the creators say. 
because it's going to come down to how the game feels. And the game is never going to feel like magic is rare and special and fantastic and impossible when literally every character is sneezing, farting, burping, and pooping magic out of every goddamn orifice. You would have to rip so much out of the game. It's not D&D anymore. And you're better off just starting with another system. End quote. Okay, that was from the Angry GM. So if you haven't, if you don't know who the Angry GM is, they have an account on Twitter and he, he is not short of opinion. Okay, that's all I'll just say. Uh, like him, love him, hate him, so be it. So Michael continues. I have no problem running my low magic campaigns in systems such as Genesis, Fate, or the Age system. I was just wondering your thoughts on running it in 5e. Is it possible? Is it not worth the hassle? Uh, thanks for the great show as always and taking the time to address this. May your sword stay sharp and your wits stay sharper. Yeah, it's possible. I do it all the time. It's not oh, hard there at you all. Go. That's Brett's there it is. Brett has answered. The uh, the the quotes of that's angry's honest to god opinion, not just some hyperbole bullshit. I'm like, wow. Okay. I hope that person plays every game exactly rules as written and never changes anything. Because if they don't, they're fucking full of shit. That they don't change anything? No, if they say that, if they if they don't, if they don't play every game, rules is written, then this opinion is an abs- is absolute garbage. There's nothing to back this up. It's gone World of Warcraft on us. Okay, that's that's cute. Pro- show me that. It's bursting with magic. Says who, where. There's nothing. It's just um, garbage. So that's neat. I don't think it's bursting as... So, hmm. so you walk into a village. Your characters have powers. Yeah. Does the farmer have power? No. Right. Um, how about well, the how about the king? No. That's not true because fuck that. Uh, what say, where every, what, what farmer? Uh, where is the farmer class? That's the farmer can cast fireball. Angry, angry says, and he quoted in here. I'm, now, I'm, uh, now, in fairness to angry, I haven't looked this up, but Michael, I gotta trust that you're quoting angry verbatim. Angry says characters. Well, yeah. yeah, he said, well, no, no, he, he says, uh, blah, 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 where is it? Um, every character. Oh, is it every character? That. Yes. So Pooping, you, pooping, uh, here well, it is. Yes, sneezing, yeah. farting, burping, shitting magic out. So, okay, yes, you've, got, right. you've got a party of four to five adventures that are really cool, and they got some really cool powers. Right. No one else around them does. They're yeah. really cool. Right. That's good. They need that shit to go fight the dragon. Right. How, whatever. No, so that's hot. That's that's not low magic. According to Angry GM, if you have a party of five people that have magic items and one and two, say two of them can sp- cast spells. No, that well, we don't have that definition. That's the other problem here is that, and we've had this issue before. We say low magic or whatever the case is. Um, you have to define what that means for you, right? Because I could give you a low magic definition. This someone go, "Oh, you think that's low magic? Low magic is everybody has sticks and string, and no one even knows how to throw a rock." Yeah, like, I don't know wait, what dark. What? I don't know what Dark Sun was like. I know kind of the premise, but I don't know how the magic thing worked in that. But and I, the this is not D anD D anymore. Okay, so that's that's cute. Go grind your axe somewhere else. I I, I don't care. <laughs> that that opinion means nothing to me. Yeah, that that that's one of those opinions where I'm like, that's just like belly buttons, man. You you got one that's cute. Yeah, and and by the way, it. The game doesn't support this. Oh, okay. Says who? I, I don't understand what you're talking about. 
<laughs> I don't I don't understand it at all. What that tells me is the way you run the game, it doesn't work that way. Because, hey, guess what? The creator can't control the way you run the game. They can influence you, but they can't control the way you run it. I don't fucking get it. Anyway, Michael. Yes, I do it all the time. I did it this last weekend. With Path- I did it this last weekend with Pathfinder. What? <laughs> it works all the time. It's not hard. Yeah, but Pathfinder is not D&D, Brett. I know that. It's called Pathfinder. Well, that's true. But what I'm saying is that... If you have to define what low magic means for you, because when he said low magic to begin with, my first thought was, what the fuck does Michael mean? I wonder, because if he was here, I'd be like, okay, Mike, what, what do you mean, man? What do you mean? Right. Do you mean like Conan? Be like, no, no, no. I mean more like, and we would have that back and forth. Michael's right. a smart dude. Yeah. So Dresh would be there. We'd be hashing this out. I'd say, yeah, you could totally do that. Here's what I would do. I would do blah, 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 blah. Doesn't break the rules. Doesn't change character sheet. Doesn't do anything to the monsters. This would totally do exactly what you wanted to do. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Bye. That's it. When I hear support it, I don't know what that means either. Does that mean they don't publish worlds and settings and adventures that have that in it? That's I, I don't care for that stuff anyway, generally speaking. So I, I, I roll my own. So I really don't. That doesn't bother me. Um, but if if Michael were here, this would be a uh, this would be one of those topics that would be really cool to talk to him about, so we could kind of hash through back and forth. Because I think I ask those questions. Michael would say, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. I'm like, okay, cool. So here's what I would do. And doing this would not break the system, fuck the characters up, or destroy them the way uh, the character sheet works, or blah, blah, blah. Off you go. Have fun. Yeah, so help, Michael. That's what we need is to kind of (laughs) fix what we're saying is we need, first of all, you talk to us, man. We don't, angry GM, he's... You know, okay, he's got opinions. That's great. It's just, and it's a bit of a shtick to do it the way he does it, and you know that, that's that's fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's his angle, and and there's nothing wrong with it. And he, you know, I, I trust us. I mean, oh yeah, I'm sure somebody's <laughs> listening to my opinions. That that fucking dude is a douchebag. They can't stand Brett. That's fine. I don't care. Right. Um, I mean, I I don't know if he's, and I have to guy to understand his context too. I mean, I kind of understand it, but. You know, is he saying, well, we just need to go back to AD&D and that was low magic when, you know, you take right. a 10th level caster in D- AD&D and it's like that. I don't you know. I don't know if that's low magic. I had an argument with one of my players this last weekend. We're making our characters and we're talking about potentially rolling 46 that approach or do they want to do a point by one of my players. His answer is the point by just you can't make heroic characters like that. And okay. I said, y- yes, you can. No, because their stats. I said. Zave, you and I have different opinions on what makes a character heroic or not in this setting. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. What I'm telling you is that you have to define what you what you mean by that before I can understand what your complaint is. He said, "Oh, okay." So yeah, so I think we, we went back and yeah. forth and went, "Oh yeah, okay, cool. I'm I'm fine. Roll the dice, do whatever. I don't care." But he made a blanket statement. Much like anytime Sean or I do, and somebody will call us on, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you, you need a little bit more than that, right. you know. So anyway, yeah, and I think I think sometimes what happens is we say we say something, and it, we we could be guilty of this as well, right? We're not above that. Where we we we're taught we're using a particular angle, and it's not defined in the same way. Oh, we we have 225 shows previous to this where I'm positive we've done it at least 200 times. Right. Like, uh, you know, like heroic is, 
you know, some people cross heroic with power. Yes, we've right? talked we talked about this before. You know, yeah. epic versus low magic or gritty or grim dark and so on. It it is it, it's a category, and everybody, <laughs> gamers in general, because we are smart folks. We don't like being pigeonholed. And as soon as somebody says, this game can never do that, my first instinct is, yes, it can. Watch me. And Or when someone says, well, that means you only like this. No, it doesn't. Oh, you have to have this because you know we, we like to categorize things and block it out. But we also have to be ready to talk about why I'm doing this, which is kind of an exercise we've done for the last four-plus years now of, of trying to sort through that stuff because it's not, it's not always easy. Well, obviously, this character's heroic, and Sean could look at me and go, what are you fucking talking about, Brad? He's got like four 18s. It's not a hero. That's a right. combat monster. No, he needs that so he can be heroic. Oh, wait, what do you mean? How is he heroic by this? When you're in person having the back and forth, it's much easier. So. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, if in, Michael, if you want to help clarify things, by all means, man, you know how to get a hold of us. Let us know. But I think... So I guess to answer his question, me specifically, would be um, you run a game the way you feel you want to run it. And if that game, for whatever reason, doesn't capture the feel that you want to convey or the setting or the environment or whatever that is, then obviously other options may exist. Like you mentioned, Genesis, Fade, or Age. Yep. Um, You know, but... To say that 5e doesn't do something or, um, you know, isn't the same, that may be true in your kind of perspective, and that's okay. Um, and then you just go and do something else. Well, I, the easiest things yeah. I would do with 5e would be to try to put a finer point on what I was saying earlier is if you're going to do it, the characters, the player character class of character has power skills and magics and so forth that most other people do not limit the number of NPCs that have the same type of abilities. Right. Those are your bad guys and and ladies. Those are the evil people. Those are the people you're fighting. Those are the occasional NPC who's lending you a hand. You can limit the amount of people in the world who have that stuff making you very special. And is it low magic? Well, by volume, yes. Again, without a definition, I, I don't necessarily know. But rarity is often seen as low, at least in definitions I've heard in the past. And if you're one of the few people in the world who can do it, there's not a lot of other folks like you, that helps make things low, helps make it rare, and slow down the level climb. Right. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Michael. Yeah. Brad, you going to read the next one? Yeah, I will. So this one's from Goblin's Henchman. Hi, Sean and Brett. I hope all is good with you. Every time someone writes in about episode 219 on seafaring adventures, I keep expecting to bring up the topic of underwater adventures. I freely admit the henchman's hold could be a busy place with the hatchlings bellowing for scraps of food and whatnot, so perhaps underwater adventures were covered in the show. I want to follow up on a listener's message. If not, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on subsea adventures. That is, PC swimming about underwater. Perhaps the topic is covered in the BS back catalog? I can tell you it is not, Mr. Henchman. He's talking about movement, you know, our swing rules like flying rules, combat, blunt weapons, how do they work underwater, spells, fireball, lightning bolts, communications, how do you talk, and and all that stuff. Breathing, (laughs) obviously no small consideration, and so on. All the best. 
I'll tell you, Henchman, that is a lot of times when people think about seafaring adventures, um, at least the players that I that I have gained with over over my decades, they they look at it and say, oh, they they kind of bulk up on the underwater breathing or um, swimming or flying, or they do a little bit of research into it. But I have not. All of the actual underwater encounters or adventures have been very shortened to the point, like an encounter. You're on the boat and a thing happens. You go down under the water, fight the Aboleth, and then come back. I don't often, at least I, sh- I shouldn't say often, I should say never. I've never run an underwater-focused game. Sean, have you done anything like that? Not where it's the centerpiece of the of the adventure, no. I mean, they end up underwater when I take a boat until, you know, Tip the damn thing upside down. <laughs> Tip it upside down, and guess what? It's now a subsea adventure. Woo! Well, <laughs> All y'all, for, swim, swim or not, there you be. It's more more of an encounter than anything, but no, I haven't, um, which is good. I mean, it's interesting, certainly. And, I mean, I think we, there might have been one person, I know 50 Fathoms, but I don't remember if there was a specific underwater. There was somebody who was blue- Blue, blue planet, blue something. Somebody posted oh, it on. Maybe that's oh my god! I'll let you read this next one. I'll see if I can find it. Henchman, that is good stuff because there is a difference between you know seafaring, occasional, you know, you know, put the speedos on and go for a swim versus I have to spend a considerable a considerable amount of time this session or multiple sessions underwater dealing with that difficult terrain. So interesting. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good you stuff. Go. You want to go, Brad, or? No, you go for it. I'm going to look up this other this game I, world. I, I'm going to read the last one. Do you? All right. Hang yeah. on a second. All right. Let me get back to where I belong. Do, 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 do. It would be weird if you read the last one. What? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Just saying. All right. This one's from Stefan Dragonspawn. Salutations to my sexy BSers. After listening to episode 221, RPGs like Kids on Bikes and Tales from Loop, I wanted to share with you my own limited experience playing in the genre. You are correct, Brad, when you say... This is a genre now, and what I think of it. Like the bearded one, I've never felt the need or desire to play as a kid, tween, or a teenager in an RPG. That is until my friend Jamie asked me to join his East Texas University campaign. That's the ETU for the initiated. Okay, hold on a second. So, Brett, you know ETU? Yes, I do. That's East Texas University. That is a Savage World setting. Yeah. Would you play in that that setting? It doesn't interest me. Okay. Continue. <coughs> Sorry. I just want to make sure. I'm trying to see if there's an age cutoff with the game. Oh, on. yeah. Okay. If, okay. If you're 35, will you play that old man? Um, right, right. Well, it's the funny thing is you could be playing D&D and be like 22 years old. Yes. But I understand that there's a difference. Continue. So, Stefan continues. Granted, in this setting, you play as young adults who are trying to muddle through classes, extracurricular activities, and exams, all the while dealing with the elements of the supernatural horror that's going on on campus and in the local area. We're not able to complete the entire uh, PPC degrees of horror as real life schedules made this nigh impossible. I was a bit leery at first, but I quickly grew to enjoy the game, the setting, and my own character named Kevin Montrose, as well as the interaction with my fellow players and their characters. Our characters did change over time as they progressed through their classes and faced dangers they never knew they would have to confront when they arrived on campus. I finally remember one session where all we did was organize a fundraising event, which included a sexy car wash. My character has the attractive edge and kind of looked like Zach Efron. (laughs) Nice. A kissing booth and a few other things. This had nothing to do with PPC, but was a fun session. Even had my character struggle with a little coming out as gay and role-playing that with the other PCs and my fellow key NPCs. 
help that my GM and fellow players were more than cool with this. If your listeners don't know anything about me, I'm a gamer. And just so you spell, uh, spell that out for folks, that's G-A-Y-M-E-R. That's Brett saying. Uh, Stefan is uh, definitely, he's, he's definitely gay and he is a amazingly cool dude. I have met him. He's a so, sweet dude. He's so when awesome. Stefan writes in sexy BSers, there you have better context, ladies yes. and gentlemen, right? Well, not That's- only that, that, I mean, he's also, he's a man of discerning tastes. Yes, so of course. If he says we're sexy, I'm just assuming we must be because yeah. Stefan says so. That's just the truth. Right. Exactly. Anyway, he continues. Anyway, uh, all that to say, maybe you, Brad, should at least give it a try once and see what all the hoopla is about. If you still don't like it after having played it, you can say you tried it. So my friends have played the Tales from Loop in Dark Places and Dark Places and Demogorgons, which is a somewhat similar setting. As always, keep up the good work and a big kiss to each of you on the cheek, of course. P.S. Congratulations <laughs> to you, Brett, on great and successful Kickstarter for Streets of Avalon. Stefan, I am dead with you, man. I will try it. If Sean runs a game or if anybody <laughs> does have a chance to play this game, uh, excuse me, run the game for me, I would be interested to play it. Tales from the Loop, Kids on Bikes, any variation of it, East Texas University, I would give it a try. You know, because, excuse me, at one point, like I could say, it doesn't sound interesting to me. And um, I used to say things like, oh, I hate that game. And somebody would be smart enough to say, well, have you ever played it? No, but I read it. Well, that's just, a, <laughs> you've got to play it, right? It doesn't sound interesting. It doesn't mean it won't be interesting. So I'd like to play it. And I'd like to play it uh, um, with some friends and just see how it goes. So, yeah, I would definitely give that a shot, man. All right. Uh, thanks, Stefan, for, Absolutely. for writing in, man. Kisses, buddy. All right. Uh, <clears throat> this comes from Lewis H. Hey, guys. Quick background. I'm an old school gamer that had to walk away from gaming for a few years after having a family tragedy, the aftermath of which required me to clean out and renovate an estate. Long story short, for the last few years, I've been too occupied with the craziness of everything to be able to game, but I've been able to grab a little nugget of that gaming mojo through listening to podcasts, especially yours. That's Please, awesome, man. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and you know what? That's great. You know, if it's not ours and it is ours, I mean, it's just podcasts. I, I'm a big podcast fan, and RPG podcasts are awesome, so great. Please accept my thanks for the many hours of entertainment you've provided in the background of a lot of hammer swinging and drywall finishing. Man, oh, man, that is rough work, and I got a man. I worked in the trades years and years ago. And uh, that stuff is no joke. No, it is not. So you're welcome. And thanks for listening more than anything. Absolutely. For you, Lewis. Yeah. Recently, my podcast app went bananas and I wasn't receiving your new episodes. Luckily, I caught this problem and I'm now on my way to getting caught up. Hopefully, it's not too late to talk about episode 221 on <laughs> Tales, <laughs> Tales from the Loop and Kids on Bikes. Lewis, it is never too late to talk about one of our episodes. And to tell Brett how wrong he is. Carry on. And this one specifically. So, he continues, Brett, I got to say I was surprised by your firm dismissive position on the whole Kids on Adventure RPGs. Now, for the record, Brett has said, even just prior to this write-in, that he's willing to check it out. So, okay, keep that in mind. That's, Brett has updated that his position a little bit. <laughs> Uh, much of what I have heard from you has been dead on with my own gaming style mindset, but this, this is a departure. I think many of us older gamers love the art of taking a minimal character with just some typical equipment and winning against incredible odds, 
thanks to the clever use of resources and maybe a few lucky rolls. This is why the genre of adolescent venture is so appealing. You can't get more of an underdog feel than some kids who have meager resources, no credibility, and little control of their world. That right there is a brutal frontier, ripe for adventuring. Figuring out the logistics for fighting some maniacal alien invader using only the weapons and materials available to 11-year-olds is exhilarating. I mean, the kids probably can't get guns. They aren't going to be exceptionally strong slash combat ready. They can't, re- they can't rely on any backup forces and haven't had the lifespan to have developed unbelievable science, computer, or forensic skills. The challenge in making it through an adventure with those dispositions is riveting. Some of your remarks about how frustrating it would be to confront an adult NPC in the game and have them dismiss the child's plea for help or warnings about monsters, etc. are probably out of place for a real gaming group. I think the whole social contract for a game like this has everyone understanding from the outstart that interacting with adults is going to be tricky, and part of the charm is that kids will have to escape being grounded and cover up all the dangerous things they are doing. To me, this just adds another level to the game aside from the adventure proper. Beyond this, the genre is very accessible to all players, given even people with a lousy childhood still remember having a sense of wonder, believing in all sorts of imaginary things, wanting to go on adventures, and the feeling of being marginalized. It deals with the mundane objects we're all familiar with, and all extraordinary things in the game are also novel to the characters, so the experience is somewhat genuine i.e. in D&D, if you come in not knowing what a cobalt is, your character knows less than he or she should because of your ignorance. But with a child being inexperienced, the player is going through what they are. Anyways, I'm just surprised the grave disposition this kind of game presents uh, presents doesn't appeal to you, Brett, given some of your nitty-gritty gaming aesthetic. I guess I game more like Sean than I realized. Not sure. That might that might be a cut right there. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> it's all good, Lewis. I'm just kidding. Anyhow, keep up the show, guys. It's great, Lewis. Who, Lewis? I'll tell you, man. There is. I. I. He puts on a good. He puts on a good. Hey, hey. No, he does. This is good, and I have gotten. I knew. We, I knew we would get feedback on this. And we got. Used... We got other people that are like, man. I stand on Brett. I stand with Brett. Yeah. And you should I, get that shirt. Stand with Brett. No, no kids. Kids. No what kids are they called? Kids, kids. Ventures. I should get a, a T shirt of like a bunch of adults like beating on a bicycle. <laughs> like that's that's my shirt there. Yeah. I like that. No kids on bikes. No bicycles no, for you. Right. Anyway, um, as Sean pointed out, as I said earlier, I would definitely try the game. I don't know if this is. There are certain genres that I look at or that I've encountered, and I say this is really cool to read about, or this would make a good movie or a TV show. And I don't, I do not believe all genres are fun for RPGs for Brett. Fair. Obviously, well, a lot of, a lot of people that, understand. That's a lot with of people, anybody. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, I'd love this to be an RPG. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This would be terrible. I would not enjoy this. Oh, you sound super hip on it. Like, this is the coolest damn thing you've ever heard of. Off you go, ma'am. Have yourself a great game. Kick ass. I just don't really care to be a part of it. I think, um, the other thing that would be fun as far as trying this game or any game like this would be getting into it and saying, guys, look, I don't know. I would be very flat honest with whoever's running it saying, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I want to I want to give it a try. So 
Is everybody else? If I could get in with a group of people who are super gung ho and really ready to go, <laughs> I, the last thing I'd want to do, honestly, is sit down with like two or three brats, and we're all like, "Yeah, I don't know if I like this," because it's not. I, I mean, we can try, but <laughs> if you sit at it, I've I've had this before where I've had people come to a table and say, "Well, I wasn't sure I like Call of Cthulhu, but you ran a really good game, and everybody else at the table was really into it." it just, I kind of got swept up and carried along, and that's one of those things that would be it'd be cool. At least if the game master was knew this genre was really good at it and said, hey, let's go. And being good at it means you know the rules, you know how to make this sucker sing. I think that would be great. A really good way to try it. It's not a game I would pick up and say, hey, I'm going to run it and see how it goes because, I no, it's just not, that's not how I'm going to approach this one. I don't know if that makes any sense, but your points, Lewis, are well taken and um, it's a, it's more, it's more evidence that I, I definitely need to give it a shot given the opportunity. So, all right, it's on the list. Thanks for writing in, Lewis. All right, bro, let's get into the main topic, man. Let's go. All right. You ready? So oh, yeah, baby. So we, Sean and I each kicked off two new campaigns. Well, we each had a campaign that we kicked off this last Saturday. I kicked off a game in my Avalon setting. My players wanted to do something. Not in the city. We'd been in the city a lot over the years. And they said, hey, you ran that Outlands game. Let's go way away from the city. I'm like, you know what? I need to do some more world world building out there. That'll be fun. So I set them up in the... Um, I decided to do something that I haven't done for a long time, was I stole the village of Hamlet from the uh, Temple of Element label. <gasps> and I laid that village out as a ready-made village that I could utilize. And it's got a lot of cool details and bits and pieces in it. So I used that. As a starting location, we changed some things around based on player backgrounds, and um, and they wanted to use the Pathfinder rules, so we did that. And uh, Sean, what are you? Uh, you're doing Edge of the Empire. I am doing Edge of the Empire. Da-na-na-na. Now, mine's with my home gaming group. Who are you running for? I am running for some patrons that wanted wanted to play. Um. And uh, we came up with Edge of the Empire. Is there anybody in the game that you've gamed with before? Kev. Kev? Okay. Kev Tulu. Everybody else is new, though, to you? Um, Trying to think. Well, Joe's in it. He didn't show up. Oh, so I couldn't make it? Okay. He He's gamed with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be it. The other ones I... Um, let me think. No, those... That's it. So all the other guys... Um, have never gamed with me. And the so, reason I hesitated because sometimes they'll be at a con and they would have been in one of my games and I would have forgot. Nope, makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions I want to hit you with in me. Just be, This is stuff we've talked about over the last 200 plus episodes. So did you I, run? I just, was, I, oh, sorry, I, put ev- I put everything we've ever talked about aside. Did you? And just came up with my own thing. Okay. So, so. Did, did you do a session zero? <laughs> did you make characters on ahead, or how'd you have? How'd you do character gen? We're at about session um, negative point five. Really? Well, I mean, I say that because we're still having to get things in place to kind of okay. Here's here's the deal, right? This is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it. So, an example is we could sit down and start doing character gen. But I think it's kind of like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. Okay, and then they go and do it. So, so when you say that, 
So let me explain what I did and see if you're going to say, yeah, I did the same thing. Well, I, I would never do the same thing as you, Brett. So. Well, yeah, I know you're, you're not quite there yet. You'll get there someday, <laughs> kid. You got this. You got this. I'm pulling for thanks. you. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Brett. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mr. B. <laughs> so um, I explained the setting, where we're going to be, how things may or may not be different. I r- reminded everybody of bits, pieces, whatever. It took like five <laughs> minutes. I went, okay, cool. Hand out character sheets. I said, what are you guys thinking about doing? Here are the races and classes that are all all uh, work. One uh, one guy, um, Nick, had never played Pathfinder before. He, I lent him a copy of the rules I had. He, Does he played three five. Oh yeah, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't hard. Yeah, and uh, we've been playing a lot of five e lately. So the guys are like, oh, we really want to do this, but oh, it's going to be a little bit a little bit wonky when we kind of knock the dust off. I had a couple players who were like, oh, I want to make characters um, and bring them to the game. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to make them together. And I'm so glad we did because. As soon as the, the characters roll dice, players players roll dice, characters don't do shit. Um, roll their 46, they're making their stats, and then the questions started to fly. How many how many skill points you get? How does this work? Wait a minute, what is it? Is this the same as? How does this work? So a lot of back and forth. How, do, how are feats, um, prestige classes, if I do this, how do I get, how does that? A lot of that back and forth because we had to knock the dust completely off of it. So I would say we spent about two hours, and we started early. We started at noon. On Saturday, we spent about two hours just going through that process and getting things together. As the characters developed and the players were getting further along, like, hey, I've got a dwarf. I want him to be a monk. Okay, great, Lenny. How do you want to? How do you want to do that? I think he's from here. Here's the map. Here's the Wollanders. You from this section of the mountain, or you from this area? So on. I started just jotting down notes as the players just <laughs> you know, spewed out some lore um, about their character. I'm thinking this guy is the priest, like probably an older gentleman. Could he be like the head of the church in the area? Absolutely. Church of Ord, here's where you are. Got it. And it took down a lot of notes as they talked because they were they had concepts. But we treated it like a, basically a two, two-and-a-half-hour session zero where I took a bunch of notes. When we were done, I read it back saying, okay, Alpha, you told me this. Zave is this. JR, Lenny, Nick, bam, bam, bam. We went through all that, read it back out, made corrections, took a short lunch break, then went into it. So did you do anything? Have, um, is that how you're kind of doing what you're doing or is it a little bit different? Well, I have unearthed a few things that I would probably have done differently if I were to do the same thing. Probably wouldn't play Star Wars. Probably play something cooler. No, I'm, kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> um, so with an online game, you have to – so ours is online. Okay, no, that's that's a big difference too. Mine is in person, right. which does make certain like what I just described is quote unquote easy, er anyway. When you're in person, everybody can see everybody. Keep going. Well, well, I mean, in that regard, I could have had the exact same type of session. It would have just been online. But oh. what what I was so my game and you kind of you touched on it, Brett, where you're like, oh, I got to jot this down. This person's going to be that. They're giving me this. Okay, I got to write that down. With me, it was pretty. So the first part of it, I started out with, okay, we're going to use roll 20. Who's used roll 20? You know, kind of, sort of, not not at all, okay? And with roll 20, if you're running Edge of the Empire or many other games, you could have a character sheet and a lot of the things that you want to do, like skill checks, things of that nature you can just automatically click a button and it does it for you correct so 
where Brett is talking about, so my game has to start back further than Brett's. So Brett's not sitting down and going, okay, here's your character sheet. These are what these things mean. This is what that thing means. I had to do that for my game for a couple of reasons. One, I had to navigate the character sheet, which I am not wholly familiar with because it's different even from when we played Brett. We're not using the same one. Oh my God. Okay. Yep. So there's a different character sheet. It's not complete. It's, it's actually easier. This but one is to the use. data. The data on the sheet is the same. It's just because it's like, well, it's an online character sheet with different the macros layout. and layout is different. So, like, oh yeah. Page two on the bottom, right. It That's not there anymore. Right. The layout is different. And it, it, there are buttons to push, and it makes your life a lot easier as a player and a game master. But you have to kind of say, oh, I mean, it got down to where it was like, okay, you know, here's the chat window. Well, and we were having so many issues. God, Roll20. Hello, Roll20. Can you just really focus in on your video or audio kind of feature? I have yet to hear anybody that's like, oh, it's super awesome, and it works all the time. Sure enough, like it was Saturday at... 9 a.m. Central Time, thinking, like, how pounded can the servers be getting, right? Like, I'm, I understand if it's like, well, we... So let me ask you, I mean, uh, so the, the beauty of getting together in person, one, these are, and the other advantage I have is the, the guys I'm playing with, they're all friends of mine, I've been playing with these guys for 20 plus years. Right. We have a wonderful setup in Alpha's basement. I have an overhead projector that I splash on a whiteboard for maps, I've got... Uh, stereo sound for sound effect. It's he's got a great setup down there, and I can you know put up images on on the screen and stuff, and people can see it and react to it and so on. If you it, what you're running into, you've got not only trying to get through. Hey, here's here's who I am as a DM, game masters, <laughs> how the players are, and all this stuff. Oh, and by the way, the technology is crashing. Are you thinking about scrapping it and going for a different technology approach? Yeah. Well, we're gonna. We're definitely going to shit can the audio video portion of Roll Twenty. We're not just use it for it. a tabletop and character sheets. Just for character sheets, that's it. Like and maybe moving destiny points, that's it. Okay. So that is that is like for sure because that was we weren't even doing anything. It's it's just like I mean it was like this. I can hear Brett. Brett can hear me. Tony can hear me. I can hear Tony, but Tony can't hear Brett. So it's like, well, this is just not going to work. So we're going to go to Hangouts. Well, that's going to be questionable because they're probably going to be shit canning those come April. So, but there's other options that are going to be much better than certainly Roll20. And so just imagine, Brett, you're doing your thing like, okay, everybody, we're here, thanks. And just having like two people leave the room and then come back. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, Honestly, okay, what? that's... Huh? What happened? Huh? Oh. That's the biggest challenge for running online games is when the technology fails you. I've been playing um, with the Wednesday evening crew, you know, Chris, Kev, Andy, and Tom. We're running in Avalon or wherever we're, we're playing, and something happens and you can't hear Tom. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what the hell? And when you're trying to record and do actual play, oh, my God, it just drives you fucking nuts. But I remember playing with you online. Every once in a while, somebody would have a, a techni technical snafu. I would. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then you're sitting there at home and you're getting so enraged by the fact that your PC is not working right. You're like, oh, that's it. I'm going to burn the whole room down. You know, it's so aggravating. Well, we, but, I thought we had pretty good, actually, looking back, Brett, we had pretty good luck. Well, that's good. I mean, considering, I mean, we were online for 10 minutes and it was a freaking fiasco. Huh. And How it did, wasn't, it wasn't going to go anywhere. 
if you take the fiasco part of it out of it, how did the rest of the did the like I said, my guys, I know them. Um, you knew Kevin and getting to know the other people. How did uh, how was it gelling and people getting along? Everything going well that way. So we know I know Josh somewhat because he's the guy we're gonna roll. Okay, like when we picked him up from the airport. Oh yeah 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 right. Josh started out like, hey, you remember me? I'm the guy that the only guy you ever picked up at the airport. I'm like, I remember you, Josh. Yeah, you didn't um, look like you had enough money, so Brett and I let you live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the 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 so the lesson here, folks, is if you get uh us to offer you a ride, just look like you're a vagrant and uh you have nothing to worry about. Or a college student, one or the other. Or a co- yeah. All right. Um but everybody's getting along. We didn't have no. You know, so I know I know everybody except good. for for um, Andy and, and funny Andy's a local guy. He's in Madison, so I know it, it's just kind of strange that way. He's like the closest person. Tony, I know we know Tony. I sold Tony my motorcycle. Oh yeah yeah yeah. One okay. of my t- yep. motorcycles. Tony Sugarloaf Baker. Yep. All right. Um, be careful out there, Tony. God damn it. And so. Uh, everything was fine. We're so there's a couple things. There's uh, quite a few that haven't played the system. Not a big deal. Um, we'll walk through it together. It'll be fine. And then we've got roll twenty. We're gonna use for character sheets. We're gonna have okay. Put all your mechanical crap in the character sheet. And then I started Obsidian Portal because I w- I don't want to create a huge wiki. I don't want to you know, write a book for these guys to digest. And I also don't want their five page character backgrounds. If they write it, great. That's super. I don't want to inhibit them from doing that or dissuade them. But in Edge of the Empire, it's good to know like their obligation, their motivation. So I can build that into whatever adventure I'm going to put in front of them. You need that. That's critical for that game. Yeah. For that game specifically, because it can get, it just starts messing with everything and it's a good thing. Um, so we went over some of the dice mechanics within the character sheet, how skills and traits kind of work together. But once they put all that stuff in there and I ask them to give me a roll and I set the difficulty, literally they'll just push a button and it'll come out and we can narrate the results. Great. Super. You know what I, because I didn't have that, what I was doing was we did, I did the, from old school perspective was we had a couple you know, non-combat things to do, roll a perception check, roll this. How do I do that again? You know, it's not like you don't know how. It's just Pathfinder versus 5e or any other 3.0 or newer uh, D&D ver- variation. It's not hard to do. But making sure you're adding all the right stuff. And sometimes the, the language is different. Um, is this disable traps or sleight of hand? Does this one have this or that when when the time came for our, for our Alpha's Rogue to make those calls? Just going through, <coughs> excuse me, making sure all that stuff was clear, was clean. Then I ran a small combat. Because, and I ran a larger one later on to kind of finish off the night. But I did that because I wanted to kind of knock the dust off the Pathfinder combat system. Because the guys we like using, I don't. I Brett does not per, do not personally care. I love theater of the mind. I have just as good a time doing that as I do the more tactical stuff. But they were really hungry for a tactical game. Between the guys I game with, I have more than enough minis. That can get dumped in my lap. If I need 20 goblins, I've got them. If I need ogres, i got them. Or representations thereof, I've got plenty of miniatures at my beck and call. So we're playing one-inch grid, and that's what the guys want to do. I'm like, totally fine. We can do this. And um, kind of getting them into that tactical approach, because some of the previous 
gaming that I've been doing with them was much more theater of the mind. So getting back not only myself, but them to say, this is how Pathfinder math and Pathfinder um, tactics work on the one-inch grid. It worked out just fine. It was much like we re- recalled that we um, he found out a couple of characters like, oh, if I'd have known that worked that way, I wouldn't have taken that feat. Shit, I, fuck, I forgot to read that one. So after it, people made some adjustments to characters and stuff, but it was because I don't have, <coughs> excuse me, a button to push. I wanted to make sure that I gave them something to do where they had to use the character sheet. You were doing a different type of character sheet interaction. I was just doing it more in the game itself to make people interact with the character sheet. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I did that purposely to say, you know, Hey, roll this stuff, build up small, crazy combat. Oh my God. And then more back and forth, investigating, sneaking, looking, finding questions, another combat. Okay. We're really getting the hang of it. Let's go out into the mountains and find what's going on up there. They get halfway in a big fucking combat. Like, okay, this is what happens. Large map. Here we go. And everything. It it was good. It worked out really, really well. Are you doing theater of the mind, I assume? It will be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 In Star Wars, Edge of the Empire does it pretty well because even range increments are, you know, short, medium, long, you know, whatever that looks like. You know, to move up to the next one, it's a maneuver you know, things of that nature. So it's easy to really facilitate. I mean, it's not even distance, right? It's very arbitrary. Like oh, I remember playing it with you when I'm like, okay, how far away are they? Short, medium? You're like, yeah. oh, they're they're long. Okay, cool. Long, clickety-click, off you went. Yeah, no, you gotta, it's good. Yeah, you got to close or you you can shoot from long, whatever. That is honestly one of the coolest things that, you and I were talking about this off the mics, is that you take a game like Pathfinder or something, it's very tactical, and it has, at its core, it feels like, has a one-inch grid core, and because everything's in feet, when you take something a little broader statement like short, medium, long, terms like that, when you can say, oh, it's short range. Oh, anything in short range is a plus one. Anything in medium range is a zero. Anything at long range is a minus one. Anything here, blah, blah, blah. It, it gets, it makes the other mind sometimes so much easier, you know? Yeah. I like I like it. I like those, those type of games for theater of the mind are pretty damn handy. So, cool. So they're going. I mean, so they're the the character generation is not done. It's not completed. They there's a couple folks that even have to get the book and. Are you limiting books? I was just going to ask you. Are you limiting books? Look, it's Edge of the Empire only. Don't you pull out any Jedi's? God damn it! None of that. Um, I haven't limited it to that point, but I haven't had anybody say, "Oh, can I go and buy Force and Destiny and and create a Jedi." Which is fine, and what I so think somebody is, somebody listening to this who's in Sean's game, I need you to ask if you can go play. <laughs> yeah. Brett Brett wants you to poke the bear. <laughs> please, um, please make it make it uncomfortable. Now, part of it is like I I don't mind it. I don't have a problem with it. The thing is, is that there's elements to those three different games where I mean, ideally, what would be kind of cool is if you decided to say, okay, I start out in Edge of the Empire as a scoundrel. Great. Eventually, you move into Age of Rebellion because your scoundrel days are over and you want to, hey, I want to join the cause. Yep. Okay. You join the cause. Great. And then at the end or in the middle of joining the cause, maybe you find the force. And eventually, then you move to Force and Destiny and you become force user and force person and you're, you know, whatever. So I think, I mean, one of the higher ups at fantasy flight games on the star Wars line mentioned. That's how he wanted to take his character 
and evolve them through the three different games. And they are uh, different games, I guess, is relative. But, I mean, essentially they are, really. Well, it's like um, a long adventure path slash campaign. I started from here and I worked my way all up in two. Right. But they have different elements, and that's why sometimes they don't they don't jam really well together because um, – and there's one source book that recently came out that kind of covers the um, Rebels, right, the Rebels um, era, right, where okay. – Right, the the cart not the cartoon, but the yeah, the cartoon, I guess. The series, the television yes. series Rebels. So that does talk about a little bit about the force using and things of that nature and kind of meshing it because it does mesh that up in that game or that game, that television series. But with with Edge of the Empire, there's a mechanic called obligation. So you're always got this thing hanging over your head and it, you roll against it and it builds up over time. You know, and it's like I mentioned to the guys on Saturday, it was, you know, like Han Solo, man, he owns Jabba, he owes Jabba the Hutt. And eventually Greedo catches up with him because his obligation certainly reached a certain point. They rolled, hey, guess what? You're in Moss Eisley and Greedo sits down at your table. Well, that's cool because that piece, what you just talked about there, I think that that's important because that game, if you've, if no one's played the game before or whatever, that that's such a critical piece of that the mechanics within that game is that those things are going to bite you. I'm going to use this. Right. And this and you're make and you're informing everybody that this is part of the fun of this game is having this stuff happen to you. The goal is not to never, ever, ever, forever have this bad thing happen to you. It's like it's gonna happen. Enjoy it. It's a matter of time. Yeah, it's like it's like the Cantina scene when you when you get to shoot Greedo. It's like Jabba Hut doing this. It's like this thing happening, it's that thing happening. It makes for a fun piece. If you don't do that, see me with a mechanic like that, I think I think you would have failed the group, honestly. And I'm glad you did that because that, that's smart because then people see it as a – it's enticing. I want to do this. I want the bad thing to happen because, hey, man, cool stuff comes out of conflict. Let's rock with it. I like it. Now, in Age – and I know we're going into the Star Wars thing, but Age – and it's explaining the differences. Age of Rebellion relies on duty. <laughs> duty. Yeah, duty. Yeah. But – when you are a scoundrel person, so if you're trying to mix the two, you have obligation and duty. It, it kind of, it, it, it's just hard. It's not hard and it's not impossible, but you could see the dynamic difference. So if you have a character who's like, my duty is to the rebellion and your duty builds over time, that's the mechanic that keeps, keeps you loyal to the rebellion. And as your duty rises, you get access to certain resources within the rebellion. You get cooler ships, you get more... You know, people you might want to recruit to go on a mission. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of different, like, like quote unquote financial incentives, whatever, right? There's more stuff. When you're a scoundrel, well, that's that. You don't have any of that. You're like, I don't give a shit about the rebellion. You can go off and do your, you know, smuggling. So you would have to have a kind of social contract amongst the players. If one is a scoundrel, one is a rebel officer, and then if you throw in force and destiny. You just have, and then Force and Destiny. I can't remember what that that one is. I haven't read much about that one, and I own it. But there's another thing. Well, you know, in a in, in a, that game, in a similar vein, because it's in for mine. The city of Avalon has, you know, its limitations, its setting, its it, the cosmology of the the world is is the same. But because they're so far away from it, many many months travel far far to the west, near uh, near the sea on that end. 
they asked me, okay, what limitations do we have? Are they the same as over there? I said, well, being that you're over here, um, dwarves and elves are actually a thing that exist. They don't, they're not forgotten or assumed to be mythical. You're so far away from where that is. This is, this is not prevalent, so on and so forth. Like, oh, okay, cool. So that's allowed. Yes, you could do that out here. You can't do that traditionally within the city of Avalon. And then we talked about like the gold exchange versus this Avalon's exchange rate is fucked up versus how it is out here. Um, Erlig is still a main evil god. Odin is still a deity, blah, 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 that, that people worship. Even there are no gods per se, as, as I've said. But um, just kind of telling them that, look, those of you who've gamed with me and Avalon before, where it was very city-based, we're going far outside of it because we wanted to do something a little bit different. But here's the things that transition over, and here's some of the things where you're, quote-unquote, breaking the rule that we used to always have to live by when we were in the city. Because out here... This exists. It does not exist in the city. It's part of the delineation between far in the outlands and within the walls. So it's not exactly the same thing where I don't have a special mechanic as you do um, within that game system. But from a setting perspective, I'm saying this is allowed. It doesn't exist over here. And that helps when I drop other setting pieces or story hooks to the to the guys as they're adventuring. They can say, oh, that thing you just told me means that you must be originally from an area in or around Avalon because such a thing would never happen out here. So it just it gives them points of reference, I guess, is a, is a better way to put it. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was, for us, pretty... It was important. Important to make sure we did that. And then, you know, basically going through the PC limitations and so forth and making sure everybody understood what they can or can't do, what would fit and what wouldn't fit. I still like, I still like to have it where they were all within the village of Hamlet... They all knew a lot of what was going on. And because they were invested in in Avalon, you invested in a neighborhood or a small area out here, you were invested in this village. And because they were all invested in the village and its well-being, all I had to do was threaten it, and they would band together to go deal with the problem. We got to do some inner, like, private, personal stuff. Nick's character found out, oh, my God, I think I have a brother. The guy tried to kill me. Crazy things happened. But overall they have a really good reason to band together because of how they built their characters and how they built the bonds within the uh, village versus the neighborhood from, from Avalon, which is what I, what I really wanted as well. It just makes, makes my job as the game master easier because I don't have to find multiple reasons to threaten each individual person to make them all go do a thing. I threaten their home, which is the entire village and they all pack up and they're going to go fucking deal with it because that's what you got to do. You got to save the people you know and love. So that helps. Um, is there any part of Edge of the Empire that you're not doing or something that you cut out or you said, hey, yeah, we're not going to do X. I don't like that. No. Any, any house rule crap, anything like no. that? No. No. So, but going to the books you mentioned, like anything in Edge of the Empire, they can, any splat book they can grab and pick up a, a career out of. Okay. That's fine. Or a race. That's, that's fine. I think Tony is pushing the envelope. I think he's building a Gungan. Oh. Which, yeah. Jar Jar Banks. Yeah, yeah. So he wants to get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Tony is. Uh, so he. What Tony's telling me is he wants to live very short duration. Like he. Yes, that, that's. I mean, that's <laughs> very clearly. He, he doesn't want his character to to live long. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does not. You no, know, I'd like to do. I'd like to have a character that 
If my guy could die within the first session, session and a half right, tops, right. I mean, how if we could, I, how, would I, how would I do that? I'll create a Gungan. Nice. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Anyways, just kidding, Tony. So, yeah, um, there was something that Tony posed, and I don't know if it ever got answered because he was like, hey, what about kind of the feel of the game? And, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the guys had really responded to. I, I'm not overly concerned with it because I think it's going to be Spirit of Star Wars. But I think it. I think that was what led Tony to. And Tony, I apologize, but I think that's why I said I want to know because I'm thinking of of building this type of character using a Gungan. And so I think Josh was like, "Go for it, man! I don't care." And so well, that makes sense because if you have if someone like, "Yeah, I like everything about Star Wars except this," right? Uh, and you're okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wreck everybody's day by doing this thing because that would be just stupid. I do eventually want to, and I will run an Age of Rebellion really gritty. Like I will I will tell the players, you know, this is this is real life. Like you know. Um, Rogue One, kind of, but even grittier. Like, do it up to just right over 10, like up to about 10 and a half, not 11. Okay. Where it's, you know, you're part of the Age of Rebellion and you do dirty, crappy things for the cause. And, you know, whether it's like a Force 5 from Alderaan or... or Forrest Whitaker's character and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or just even if I was Quentin Tarantino and I was going to do a Age of Rebellion type of campaign that's what you know that's what it'd be like so not not the not maybe the original star wars kind of thing like hey a bunch of bothans died well that's a good question that i asked because excuse me there's the star wars movie canon at the very least which i've i've not seen them all but i've seen most of them um they they vary in tone and flavor and what is funny and what's not and so on. So uh, there is a is this going to have a Rogue One feel or does this have a a New Hope feel? You know what? That that's a good that's a damn good question actually. Yeah, I want like I want. I mean, I, I'm you know I don't want to give too much away, but I I want them to feel the pain. No, I hear you. I hear like you. This, but you, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Shit, if if shit I went is in, sucking wind right now. The yeah, but if I blows. went in, if I went in and assumed it was, you know, happy-go-lucky Star Wars time versus no, it's all going to hell, I could be woefully disappointed, you know. Right. That's pretty cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But anyways, um I was yeah. very happy, honestly. This is one of the better campaign kickoffs I've had in a while. I think one of the things that I <laughs> I talked to Sean about this off the mics is that my group has been saying, I really like to play Pathfinder again. I kept saying, oh, my God, I don't, I don't want to do it. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, it's not that hard for me to game master it. If my group wants to play this and I am not against it, like on a visceral or moral level where, like, I hate that game. I will never fucking do that. Why not? You know, it's not It's not that I can still tell the same the campaign I have in mind, the things we're going to do. I can do it with this game system, and that's fine. Or if the guys were to say, hey, I would really like to play Merp again. I have a couple campaigns there too. It's not the end of the world, but I think it's. I think you did a similar thing, Sean. Where where the the patrons who said, "Hey, I'm at that level. I want a game with you." Did you or did you not? I think you asked them, like, "What do you guys want to do?" I can run these things. What would you like to do? Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I was I, I did a survey, and some of them had said, you know, these are some of the ones that I would like to play, and I think, I mean, out of maybe six people, well, five that did it. You know, there were two that were talking about Star Wars, Edge of the Empire, 
you know, so two out of five and then a couple of people like even Joe and Kev were like, they didn't care. Literally, they'd be like, wild, they're wild cards. They'll play anything. Yeah, but I mean, so. ask getting that information when they say, no, seriously, I will play anything. Like, okay, that's good to know. Yes. Just because you, you know, you, you don't want to assume that shit. So that's great. Yeah. It's good to hear that stuff. And I think that's part of the whole, the session <laughs> negative one that we've talked about, you know, previous episodes or in going through that. And if I were to say, I want to run, you know, GURPS tune. And everyone in the group is like, I don't want to play that. Yeah, but that's what I'm running on Saturday. I could very well have a table full of no-shows <laughs> because nobody wants yeah. to be there. So there, there's a line to cross. And I do think – I talked about this a number of episodes back where I got pissed at my crew because I wanted to do something, and I felt like they were actively stonewalling me. We worked through that, and everything's everything's fine. We've known each other for so long. It was just like, you pissed me off. Don't fucking do that again. Everybody went, well, you pissed me off. You know, Went through all that. But I think – the um, one of the nice things about having uh, the the patrons now, well, we're going to run games there, and I've also found that running games at conventions, I can. Well, the cool things about a convention game is, like, well, you know what I want to run? I want to run Trail of Cthulhu. My group right now has no interest in playing Trail of Cthulhu. I want to play it though. I will run that for the patrons, or I will run it for folks at GameholeCon or something like that. I have opportunities to do the things I want to do. I just have to, you know, make the time to do it and it'll be totally cool. So anyway. Yeah. So I think with what I will do with our game is it'll be drop in, drop out and we don't have a set schedule. So a lot of things that I'm going to have to do looking back when I started it and go, Oh, I would have done this a lot differently would be, you know, I started obsidian portal because one of the things about like messaging, Oh, you know, (laughs) I use this, I use that, you know, I am apps are great, but it's also my like email. And if you are, and I think I've talked about this before, where if you are a person that doesn't monitor email or that app all day because you are working and you don't, that's, you know, takes time to do that and you're not able to, well, you're, you're, those messages are going to get buried. So there's going to be too many replies. There's going to be too much kind of, you know, kind of shooting the shit talk. So I, I, you know, I'm going to go to Obsidian Portal and create, like, well, here's this forum so that people can go in there and go, oh, okay, and they don't have to scroll through all the the talk talk to get to the gist of what needs to happen. Like, I could have rescheduled, Actually, I could have rescheduled the game, and if somebody didn't have time to, you know, scroll back 30, you know, different replies, they would have never known. Uh, Roll20 lets you schedule games, too. Well, there is, but again. No, so I hear I'm, you. If yeah. You're, yeah, the 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 cool thing about Obsidian Portal, I'm glad you brought that up because with the demise of G Plus, which is where my group, it just worked out really well for my group. We could post stuff in there. We didn't post often. I had a a campaign that I would set up in in uh, in G Plus, and anything that was campaign related would go there. Scheduling, blah 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 blah, just went there. It was really simple. But I'm thinking now I might go back to Obsidian Portal just for the the wiki approach because I can. It's not like a full-on wiki, but it'll absolutely serve my purposes. That's not a bad idea. So I'm going to put stuff up there, and I'll let those guys post certain things, but it'll be, like I told them, fluff, obsidian portal, mechanics, and the sheet, roll 20. And then I will say, then we'll we'll put out another date. I'll give them a couple deadlines because I got to, so let's say we're going to game, you know, in the month of February, and we, we all agree that Four of us can do it on this day. So we'll set the date, but I have to give the guys a deadline so that their shit is ready before that. 
So I can look at that and make sure everybody's done. So that way, when we do start, we can actually start. So I want to give, you know, hey, is this feasible that can everybody can, you know, get their stuff together, get it online by this time and do it that way. So I have cool. to just make that happen. And yeah. Good stuff, man. I think um, the nice thing is I think we're both off the right track. Good sessions, right? Yeah. People getting long, stuff getting built. All good. Yeah. Well, sweet. Um, Now, granted, Sean, I kind of breeze through different bits and pieces. If folks are interested in, if for some reason, like, hey, did you bring up X? Or, hey, if I was playing in your game, Brett, I'd like to know this. Or, hey, Sean, if I'm running in your game, what would you tell me if I asked you this question? I think feel free to hit us with that stuff because... As we've said before, sometimes, you know, I'm running with people I know. Kevin is the only person that Sean uh, knows and has run with before. But it's very easy sometimes for us to who have been gaming for a long time to be complacent. I don't know a better word for it. And um, not always think about asking some of those questions or thinking about those things that other people may have in their in their head. And, and some people are not always very forthcoming. They can play for two, three sessions and say, oh, if you'd have told me that, I never would have made this character. Damn it! I <laughs> wish you would have said that because I, you know, wish you would have asked me that question three sessions ago. I could have fixed that for you. So, if anybody heard something that Sean or I said that you think was um, we missed a point or was a bad idea, or if you'd like to know um, anything else around it, just let us know. Otherwise, um, shall we on? Die roll, baby. Die roll, it is. All right, so. I will have a link in the notes for Obsidian Portal. If you haven't checked it out, you can sign up for a free account. Paying the subscription for like 50 bucks a year will unlock a bunch of stuff. If you're a game master, it comes in handy. But it's a campaign manager. You can have a forum, a wiki. You could have characters, put stuff in there. And there's character sheets that you can actually choose. So it's pretty pretty robust, fun stuff. And I find it handy um, because... Some people are now on Facebook. Some Google Plus is going bye-bye, and, well, so be it. Here you go. Um, second one for me, EN World's 10 Most Anticipated Tabletop RPGs of 2019. Uh, check that out on EN World. Uh, they mentioned, like, Judge Dredd, John Carter, Changeling the Lost, some other ones that are coming out in 2019. Oh, second edition Changeling the Lost. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, check it out. Uh, number three for me, Dune, gaming. And- Dune is coming back. Dune, Modifius. Yeah, number six, Dune RPG. Ooh, there it is. Yeah, Dune. interesting. Yeah, ah, Modifius, man, forced to be reckoned with. I mentioned this before. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, they're grabbing Dune, man. Pathfinder, um, sec- Pathfinder second edition is coming. Oh my god. So the third one, and I will will have to think people because we didn't know anything about this before. I don't even think we mentioned it on the show. We've tweeted it and shared it on some of social media, but we were nominated um, as one of the best podcasts for 2018 on EN world. What the hell? I was like, I saw that tweet. I'm like, what, what somebody, what the hell? How'd that happen? That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So there is literally a, there was a thread on EN world and there is literally I mean, there's got to be like a hundred podcasts on there, um, and you could just vote. And they had a deadline. I think it was January eighth. Was the yeah now until January eighth. So that's when it ended. And it's my understanding we made the top ten. 
Very cool. Uh, out of all of them. So very honored. Uh, thank you for whoever nominated us, and thanks, everybody, for voting for us. Um, we really appreciate it. The if you So if you want some a list of really good RPG podcasts, I mean, there's a ton of them there. Yes, 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 yes. I should say uh, Morris did a – he mentioned uh, the Avalon Kickstarter one was happening too. Yeah. Which was um, like, oh, my God, I didn't know that was happening, and uh, I, I got cued into that listening to the episode. It was just a bit at the tail end. It was – I had not listened to – Morris's unofficial table talk RPG talk, you know that podcast for a while, and uh, added it back in. I'm like, damn, this I I remember this was fun. God dang, I should have been. Oh, I stopped listening for a while for I can't even remember why, but they're back on my podcatcher. So yeah, good stuff. So, so if you we I believe are in, we'll have a link to the episode of Morris um, number thirty one for his unofficial tabletop RPG talk, and I think somewhere around. I don't know if it's 20 minutes in. He lists some of the people that are in the top 10 and, and you know, so on. So, and if you want to just listen to a podcast, go out and subscribe. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes. My last one, Harlem Unbound 2nd Edition. So if you haven't, we've mentioned Harlem Unbound in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, their Chaosium is going to help them put out a 2nd Edition. There is an email list that you can sign up for for updates. Um, about that second edition. And then they posted some of the new art on Twitter, just kind of a snapshot. I don't know if it's going to be the cover or just a if it's a mock-up, um, but we'll have a link to the cover that was tweeted out there by Chaosium. And uh, so if you're interested in Harlem Unbound or it piqued your interest before and you didn't get the first edition, you might check out the second. Here you go. I will list, I finally found it, Sean, when we were going through these. Chris Sharp, when we talked about Water and Undersea Adventures, way callback, Blue Planet. That's the name of the game. He had posted a picture of that over on MeWe and had mentioned it to us before. And I was trying to think of it way earlier in this episode. And um, there it is, Blue Planet. Chris Sharp brought it up to us. So yeah, there we there go. go. Yeah. All right, Brad, what are we talking about next week? Next week, I want to talk about tactical combat and movement in RPGs. Now that I'm playing Running Pathfinder again with my crew, I wanted to talk about a little bit kind of the some of the things I'm like, oh, yeah, I like doing this. And some of the things like, oh, I could see this maybe being a pain in the ass. Because you're doing Theater of Mind and I'm doing this. I thought maybe kind of bring this up. And uh, we've talked about it a bit in the past. And it's one of those topics I thought might um, bear repeating. So it will come back. All right. Excellent. Wow. Without further ado, we'll let you get on with your day. I am Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Coward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Angus, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, and Tony Sugarloaf Baker. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. Let's get this started again.
Yeah, mm. let's get retarded in here. It's the lyric. <laughs> That's what it is? Yeah. No way. Yes it, way. It is? Yes. My wife has it. My sister has it. A bunch of people I know have that. They like the Do you sing ideas. it, Brett? No, I do not. Can't stand them. It's not very nice. No, no. It's true, though. All right, ready? Sure. <laughs> Gaming MBS episode 226, recorded Sunday, January 20th, 2019. My shit is out of order. There it is. Never mind. Okay. Try it again.